0: Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I am your host, Tim McKernan. It's time for another edition of Questions from the Audience. Uh, Always enjoy doing these shows. Sure, on Sunday night we upload uh, interviews. This week, Joe Buck, that one's certainly getting a lot of response. If you haven't listened to that Just a good random 90-minute conversation on all kinds of topics with Joe. Rich Gould is coming up. That one is uh, phenomenal as far as uh, the entertainment goes with Rich. That's the next one coming up. And then all kinds of podcasts, if you missed them, with Jay Nixon, Bob McCullough. Um, Gosh, I mean, if we want to go all the way back, Gary Pinkle, Jack Danforth, uh, Mike Matheny, now no longer the Cardinal manager. Uh, and you can get some perspective on his thought process going into the year. All of it's there for you. Subscribe to the podcast, enjoy it. And, uh, feel free to email me at team at inside with your questions, feedback, whatever the case might be. And if you're interested in being a part of the podcast, we certainly welcome that as well. Just like Ryan Kelly has been from the very beginning. He's online at the just received an email before we started, uh, this podcast from Ryan Kelly. And this is just, this is not only is he going to be able to save you money if you're in the market to refinance and get a cash out refi from the standpoint of interest rates being low and home values being high and you can pay off a credit card. And not only is he the person you go to uh, if and when you want to buy a home at the com but he's also just a good guy. And yeah, once you, once you start experiencing success, you can certainly cut a check, but Ryan puts his money where his mouth is. And once again, he is doing is Climb for the Kids. It's the fourth annual Climb. It's a fundraiser that he describes as incredibly special to him. And the money they raise is life-changing for these kids. And this year, Ryan will be summiting one of America's most iconic mountains, the Grand Teton in Wyoming. So that's the kind of person you're doing business with with Ryan Kelly. Online at com. Ryan Kelly, the studio sponsor of the Tim McKernan show. So every, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, in that range, we sit down and just take your questions. Kind of a discussion. It's what we do on the, on the fan page, the TMA fan page on Facebook. Uh, except now we're just answering the questions verbally so you can hear the context. And then I can answer a few more as it is uh, easier to do via the spoken word versus typing them out. Although I enjoy typing them out as well. Uh, so Email T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com with your questions or submit them on the TMA fan page. I enjoy answering them. I got a bunch in email that are uh, either new or saved up from the last week and got some on the fan page, too. So I'm going to attempt to answer the best questions and provide yet another award-winning edition of the Tim McKernan Show, Questions from the audience. And you can ask whatever the hell you want. I mean, it's a free for all. So feel free. So this one came in over the, uh, I don't know when it came in. Let's see. No, it was over. It was from over the weekend uh, earlier on, uh, Monday. Let's see what we got here. Um, Tim, I just finished listening to your appearance on Chris Raby show below. You will find reaction and commentary from me that eventually leads to a question from the audience. I very much enjoyed the discussion, uh, as I was on Camel X, for the record, uh, with Chris Raby, as I am, like you refer to yourself, a baseball nerd. I especially appreciate that your point of view, which I agree with more often than not, but not 100% of the time, is based on fact and informed opinion. In the years I've been listening to you, I've always gotten out of your conversations on baseball, be it on TMA, the show you did with Jim Edmonds, the podcasts, and the spring training shows you did this year. The show with Raby was no exception. And afterwards I was telling myself that I wished I could hear you talk about baseball more often, recognizing that you had no part in it. I lament the fact that the station did not renew the contracts of Rick Hummel and especially Derek Gould. Uh, And I I guess I got to interrupt here. Um, That's, that's, there were no contracts. Um, The station makes cuts. You know, listen, there's always these elements This is going to turn into a digression, but I I guess that's essentially what my entire career has been. Uh, People assume certain things, and sometimes things just aren't what they assume, and then because they involve either private elements of a business or people's livelihoods, uh, you don't want to comment on it publicly, but I don't like when things are— and I know this wasn't done with any malice whatsoever. It's just inaccurate. Um, The station has made cuts, um, as I've said, you know, for the last year and a half even though I recognize some people, you know, don't follow the day-to-day business. thing. I don't operate the radio station. I haven't for the last 18 months, more than 18 months now. And, uh, and wasn't involved, but businesses have to make cuts. And if revenue isn't coming in to, uh, the level that, that justifies expenditures, then you have to make cuts. And if I were sitting in the chair operating the station, I might've had to do the same thing. So you know, it's, it's not a shot at all at Derek or, or Rick. Derek was supposed to be, uh, and Derek will be, on a podcast with me here over the next couple of weeks. And he was on the morning after the, uh, on Monday after Mike Matheny was fired. Um, so, you know, it's not like there's any animosity. It's Sometimes it's just a numbers game. So I just wanted to, to clear that up, even though I got nothing to do with it, just to set the record straight. So anyway, going on as it has taken away very good baseball discussions that I always look forward to on TMA. While I very much enjoy the nitwittery portions of TMA, which are many, I've always enjoyed that it's balanced out with the nominal sports show portion of the broadcast. While baseball is certainly still a key part of the show, the Bud Norris Jordan Hicks topic discussion is example. I'm someone who would welcome even more baseball discussion on TMA. Two other comments. Number one, I don't listen to more traditional sports radio anymore, especially in St. Louis, as I find the straw man arguments, hot takes and stats, heavy content to be exhausting and uninteresting So I'm not suggesting TMA go that route. And number two, at 46 years old, I acknowledge that I'm most certainly older than the average listener of TMA and may not reflect the views of much of the audience. All that leads to this question. Since it seems that you enjoy nerding out on baseball and with part of the ability of TMA to do that potentially taken away without the regular baseball-focused guests, would you have interest in doing a somewhat regular Cardinal and or baseball-themed podcast? I know you said you want to do spring training pods again next year. But you do have, or do you have an interest in doing those throughout the rest of the year? Thanks. And I'm, again, I'm enjoying the show. That comes from Jeremy. All right. A lot in there. Um, and I'm going to try to answer it all and, uh, and, and give it as thorough of attention as it deserves. So let's see, uh, not listening to traditional sports radio anymore. I don't really listen to it anymore. I haven't listened in a long time, uh, especially since I'm not operating station, um, from my standpoint, for me personally, it's it's like this with podcasts for me, and I'm sure some of you can relate. It's like you, you subscribe to however many podcasts, and you 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 wind up not listening to some that you otherwise would because you get backloaded with content that you do want to listen to. So I think that's just in general changed the game for talk radio. Um, I think St. Louis is as it is, unfortunately, oftentimes behind the curve on some advancements that are at this point commonplace in other markets, podcasts certainly being one of those. Uh, The podcast element certainly has played a role in the spike in listenership with TMA over the last five years. Huge part of it, huge part. I I probably would say it's been the number one reason actually for the growth in the show uh, because that's what's brought a lot of the younger audience members on along with the people who've been listening for a long time. Um, However, as I have said a number of times, What I have run into with the business of the podcast is that more often than not, unfortunately for me, the decision makers in St. Louis are more often than not, not always, of course, older. And so if I'm meeting with someone about becoming a sponsor on the podcast, if I'm sitting there for the majority of the meeting explaining how to access a podcast and what a podcast is, I already know where we're going to end up, and that is without them getting on board. And I get that. I'm not mad about it, but if you have to explain what you're buying, it's, you know, it's not gonna, it's not gonna get there. I think it will be much more commonplace in St. Louis in in less than five years. And, and I've already lived it in a sense with starting inside com in 2005, And when I did that, uh, along with Matt Seebeck, what we ran into was, oh, well, we're still in the Post-Dispatch or the Riverfront Times uh, or St. Louis Magazine or Live Magazine, and we're happy with that. And now, you know, as you know, over the last 13 years, the print business and advertising revenue for print business has declined, and a lot of that is now uh, spent on digital advertising. And I think you'll see that uh, happen really quickly. I think it already is happening in some markets and certainly to an extent nationally uh, with podcasts. So with that that gets to the question of um what I like to add on and do another cardinal theme podcast here is and I think this will answer your question coming at it from two different angles in order to do that in order to do it the way that I do it that it seems like you like which isn't the hot take you know calling for heads all the time which obviously gets a reaction but I don't feel that way a lot of the time, so I am not going to ever, uh, sit behind a microphone and, and, and make crap up, uh, or, you know, fake emotion to try and get response. And I'm not, when I say this, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular. I know that it, I, well, I think that it goes on, um, you know, throughout our business. Uh, and I'm not talking about local, I'm just talking about the business as a whole. I mean, certainly like, for example, the the hot take shows on ESPN or FS1 would be examples. But I don't want to get in that spot because so often my answer to questions is, I don't know. But I don't stop it, I don't know. I then explain why I say, I don't know. But a podcast, maybe the podcast should be titled, I don't know, to be very honest. Um, but I can give you my theories and or my reasons for winding up at I don't know and then perhaps why I'm 60% on something, but 40% the other way. Um, I don't know. There it is. There it is. I don't know. But if you're doing something regularly, whether it be five days a week, whether it be one time a week, whether it be whatever, you at that point, similar to what I think has happened with cable news and then therefore intentionally slash unintentionally, manipulating the public, you have to fill time. And if you have to fill time, you want to fill time with something that is going to engage people. And saying, I don't know, isn't really engaging, in my opinion, to the masses. Now, I know, speaking of I don't know and I knows, I know that I could put, put on that type of show. I just don't want to in the sense that ever since starting doing radio in 2002 and truly ripping off the Howard Stern playbook from the movie Private Parts of just trying to be as blunt as possible uh, with the audience, and obviously there are times where you can't be, especially when you're involved in in operating the business. That puts you in a really weird spot. I don't want to get in a spot where um, I'm being disingenuous. Even though it it would be pretty easy to do, it's it's like it's like if you're in a debate class and somebody says, "Okay, he's going to take this this angle, you're going to take this angle," and you can do it, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to be dishonest. Uh, so, you know, with that all said, why don't I want to? Well, part of why don't I want to do a regular Cardinal podcast? Part of it is that reason. Uh, part of it also is um, at this point in my career. What I, you know, I have, you know, inevitably you have regrets and I feel like I I wasted time um, not making money on things that I either should have just cut bait with or tried to find a different strategy to monetize it, even though I don't really know anybody who has. And by that I'm talking about like writing content uh, and or uh, time spent, for example, like on InsideSTL.com, on InsideSTL.com itself wasn't making money. Um, and, and I just kept doing it just because I didn't want to stop doing it out of no particular reason. And as I've said a number of times when discussed, number of times when discussing this, I'm honest, I'm kind of embarrassed by that. Um, because I was in my thirties and I should know better. So giving all of this context, I am more interested now in, in growing or starting a business um, that could certainly be outside of broadcasting, although I'd I'd be all for also being in broadcasting, where there's going to be either real potential for financial growth um, or there already is and, and I can add to it by bringing something to the table. And so the whole point on the podcast advertising element is I just don't think there's money in it. I mean, it's kind of, that's, it, it's, it, it, I could have answered the question right there, but I wanted to give the, the context on it. I don't think there's money. I don't think there's real money in it. I don't think there's money in it that is going to impact my life. Uh, I don't think it's, there's money in it that's necessarily going to impact many people's lives. So at that point, I'm going back to doing a lot of what I was doing in the aughts and the early part of this earlier part of this decade, which is doing something for the purpose of content that does not bring in dollars. And I'm at a point now with whether it be with inside STL enterprises or just the radio business as well, that if I am involved, for example, we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the replacement for John Seymour, the Seamaster, uh, who left the business and, uh, is now working in the insurance industry and the people with whom I've spoken or have emailed. And then I, send uh, back some questions. I am focusing not necessarily on what would be historically considered the standard element of a producer in radio, but I'm focused on come up with what would you do if you were producer of this show, whether it be this show or whether it be the morning after, but then also when you come up with ideas, how would you turn those ideas into dollars? Because that's the reality of the business. And so if you think that way from the outset, you're not retraining people at a point where it then becomes, oh, I don't like selling or I don't like thinking about the money part. I just like screwing around and talking sports or what you guys do on TMA or how you just kind of, you know, fucking wax poetic on QFTA or the interviews on uh, the Tim McKernick show. That's what I like. And I get it. I like that too, but there, is, but it is a business and you have to be cognizant of that. And that's why it's been able to exist for 13 years, uh, or it'll be 13 years on August 15th to be exact. Um, so that is where my mind is. I don't want to spend time on things that are not going to make money. And that is why I am interested in, uh, not li- by any means leaving TMA or this podcast. Um, but adding on and doing something else. And and I talked about this on the podcast from an entrepreneurial standpoint, I guess maybe about a month ago. And a number of people have sent me some business ideas, some prospectuses. Um, and I welcome our audience to do that. I've actually gotten on calls with some members of the audience who submitted them and just to kind of vet them and ask questions and see where things are. So that's where I am. I mean, you know, my contract is is quite specific in the sense that I'm obligated to host TMA from seven to ten. Uh and, and then that's that. And, and I think, you know, maybe in 20, 25 years, I'll go, oh my God, I wish I would have just enjoyed that more and been, you know, just whatever, hung out with my son, hung out with my, my wife, uh, and, you know, played golf and just relaxed Un- unfortunately I, it's not my personality to just sit back. Um, I'm always looking for more. Um, not from a necessarily a a greed standpoint, although I guess you could call it greed in the sense that I would like to make more money, but because I think there are opportunities and it's just my personality that I'm always looking for another opportunity to add on to the, the very good fortune I've had in this business that I do something that I love, um, and, uh, it's been able to go on for as as long as it has. So, like I said, you got an idea or you want to talk about something, email me. For real, I, I I know you might be like, oh, I don't want to bother him, or you might think it's dumb. You got to shoot to score, man. Uh, I left television and started a website and, and got into radio, and everybody's like, oh, you must have gotten fired from TV because nobody would leave TV. And now when I talk with TV anchors who've been doing this forever, uh, they go, how did you know? And by that they mean how did you know that it was going to tank? And I go, how did you not know? Like, how did you not know that this is tanking? It's it's like, this, is, this thing's dying. It's obvious. Then that's kind of how I feel about podcasts right now. And I'm not talking about dying. I'm talking about buy them up. They're growing. Um, so, you know, I see, I guess sometimes I'm, I'm lucky that I see some things in my industry that then give us an edge, a potential margin. So that's what I'm looking for, whether it be in broadcasting or something else. Now, on the night that Mike Matheny was—so email me, still at inside STL account for real. I, who knows? We go out and play golf, and maybe your idea isn't something that works for me, but we hang out, and it's cool. Fuck it. It doesn't matter. Whatever. But, uh, for, but what you're asking about, Jeremy, regarding Cardinal coverage, sometimes it can be organic. For example, I guess I was the first person to tweet in St. Louis, person, that Mike Matheny had been fired. Anna Marie and I, my wife and I are sitting on the couch. I think we are watching succession DVR. We're catching up on that on Saturday night. This is what life is now like when you have a 10 uh, month old and I love it. Uh, and that's what we're doing on Saturday night. And it's like 10, 10, I think Charlie Marlowe said it was ten eleven. And I heard my phone, you know, go off with the ring that I got an email and you know, I'm thinking to myself, what in the hell am I getting an email? 10, 11 on a Saturday night. And, uh, and it's from the Cardinals saying the Cardinals have fired Mike Matheny, Billy Miller, and John Mabram. Oh, my God. Pause succession. And I look on Twitter figuring it had been going around Twitter and nobody had tweeted about it. So I tweeted. And I didn't break the story, obviously. The Cardinal sent a release. I just happened to be by my phone. Uh, so it doesn't mean a damn thing. Point in telling the story is this. At that moment, I thought about, and really, I guess I wish I would have, honestly. I thought about. You know, I have the the Mevo cameras, the Dan McLaughlin, Derek Gould, and I used when uh, we were down at spring training for those two months uh, earlier this year. I have those sit in my basement, and I could have set those up and done, you know, as Barstool, I think, were the originators of the emergency press conference. And I, we would have had thousands of people on board talking about it. Uh, and I could have done, um, you know, I certainly could have done, and, and done a show there, and that was a miss. That, however, is the kind of thing I'm interested in. But that is an event that is, you know, it's absolutely organic. It's out of nowhere. What if it would have happened while I was in Hilton Head, you know, with my family? Wouldn't have done it. You know, don't have the cameras with me. And honestly, I don't really want to do it at that point. I don't want to be beholden to that. And talking to some uh, reporters who have kind of gotten away from the day-to-day of uh, covering beats, one of the things they wanted to get away from was, you know, it could be 2 in the morning and they're on call except they're on call in a business that's, you know, tough, especially tough regarding compensation. It's not like being on call as a doctor. You know, you're still at the mercy, but you're being compensated at a different level. So, you know, what I've thought about regarding cardinal discussion is like doing like a post-game show on Facebook Live or on Twitter. Well, both. They'd be on Twitter, Periscope, and then Facebook Live. Um, I have thought about that, but I kind of feel like in order to do it, you got to be all in. And then in order to be all in, that means now I'm watching every single game, you know, doing the notes that I usually would do in in playoffs. Uh, And then also, uh, you know, then doing an hour or half hour or whatever post game, showing some of these games aren't in until super late. And I'm up at five in the morning to do TMA. So now I'm, you know, but I do think that would work. I'm not really enamored by... I guess I could, and I certainly could do it with somebody like Derek Gould, a cardinal-oriented podcast where it's, you know, I, I just, I don't know, I I, I just don't think because I know what I've I know the finances of the of this podcast. Uh, now maybe it would work. I don't know. I just I gotta be, I gotta be engaged to put on a good con, a good to put on a good product. You know, those of you who have. Uh, started to get into the interviews and maybe you're catching up cause you just found out about this podcast and people say, man, I mean, I just love that. It's like, they're, it's like, they're, they're not even interviews. It's like you guys are just in there and you're bullshitting and it doesn't matter who you're with, but that's because I'm engaged. You know, I don't have back in the day, the Sea Seamaster now Iggy book someone who I'm not interested in talking to. I'm legitimately curious. And so there are no notes in front of me because I'm engaged. If I had, you know, the Cardinals are playing the Reds and both teams are, you know, kind of in third and fifth place in the National League Central and it's like, oh, God, I got to do this Facebook Live about a Luke Weaver start against Sal Romano and break it down. Oh, fuck that. Bore the shit out of me. I'm just, that's just not where I am anymore. But the night Mike Matheny was fired, I'm all in. But how how do you, you know, that's that's, you can't predict that. So the answer is as things usually are, I money, religion, or sex. Uh, and this one would be money. And, uh, that's, that's where it is. I understand. I, I take the compliment, uh, is a great compliment and I appreciate it, but I, I don't, I don't see me doing that for those reasons. So there's like a two hour answer to a very simple question, but I wanted to give proper context. I appreciate the question. I hope I answered it sufficiently. If I didn't, I should be removed from this podcast because I spent 20 minutes trying to do it. It's always great when new sponsors come on board the show, and it's even better when I meet with those sponsors, and I'm thinking to myself, man, this is someone our audience would most certainly benefit from talking to. And I'm talking about Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Now, I don't know about you, but from my standpoint, uh, since the theme of today's questions from the audience is Regrets, Here you go. I have a major regret about how I managed my money in my 20s and 30s. I'm I'm legitimately almost embarrassed by it because there's no excuse. Like if you're in your teens, it's like, okay, but you know, I mean, this was bad. Uh, There's someone, however, who can help you. doesn't matter if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, whatever. Mark Hanna, H-A-N-N-A-H, of Evergreen Wealth Strategies is the guy. Now, I met with Mark and was thinking that it would be good to have a new sponsor on the podcast. Of course, that's part of the game. But when I meet with people who I would either be endorsements doing endorsements for on the radio or on the podcast, I've got to meet them and make sure that I'm on board either with their company or the person themselves. Because you don't want to get in a spot where you're talking about somebody uh, and, and you're going, oh, in the back of your mind, this this is not this is not somebody that I want to talk about. But then I'm meeting with him, and I, you know, as I want to find out what he's all about. Sure enough, after like talking to him. 10 minutes, I'm saying to myself, I wish I would have known Mark 20 years ago because I would be in a different position now by managing my money smartly then. That's what he can do for you. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. Again, Mark Hanna is his name. Check him out at evergreenstl.com. The key that people don't know about when it comes to managing money, and it's so important, the key is just having a plan. That's all it is. It really is. It, and even if you're going, I have no money to save, or I can't do this, I can't, do, it doesn't matter to have a plan and then have an idea of what's going on. And then maybe go, oh, I don't need to do this. I can do this. And it's so simple. He sits there with an iPad, he enters in your numbers, and then you have an idea. And that's all it takes. And how much that helps. Oh, I'm telling you. I sat with Mark, he opened up that iPad, he entered in the dollar figures, it could be your 401k, it could be your savings, it could be your investments, and he puts you and your family on the right path for what you want. He helps people every day, and he helps everyday people build a strategy to get to their financial goals. He helps build a strategy to put your kids through college to keep you from having to work until you're 95 years old, to not get blasted on taxes, and make sure... Your family is taken care of in case the unthinkable happens. His name is Mark Hanna. Give him a call at 314-889-0503. That's 314-889-0503. Or check him out online at evergreenstl.com. All right, uh, Tim. Hi, like you, I'm finding myself increasingly drawn back to golf, which I played a lot in my 20s, but for marriage kids grinding out of career reasons, I largely abandoned for about 15 years, taking it up again in earnest in just the past year. I know you've discussed this on air and bits and pieces, but my question for you is this. When you started getting back into the game, what was your approach? Did you buy new sticks and go hit a couple thousand balls at the range and then start going to the course lessons, fittings, et cetera, lessons, then new clubs. I'm trying to find out the best way to invest my limited golf budget so I can get some better, less inconsistent play. Uh, Thanks, man. Started listening loyally right about the time the Plowboys started with you and really enjoy the show. Lemmingly yours, uh, that comes from Matt. Okay, so um, regarding me getting back into the game, um, I, I had played quite a bit, but always kind of right around the low 90s, uh, would occasionally break 90. That's where I was. Um, and that was through basically 2004 and maybe played a couple times in 2005. And from 2006 to 2000, July of 2016, so, I mean, for real, 10 years, if I played five rounds of golf and I'm including scrambles, I'd be surprised. I maybe did. And and the reason was because I got into poker. Uh, now, poker, from my vantage point in the United States, kind of shut down at least the online game in 2011, but yet I didn't get back into golf. It is a huge regret. This this podcast today should be questions from the audience. Regrets. I've had a few. Um. So I didn't play in my 30s at all, which is just, well, not at all, but five times. I mean, it's just terribly stupid. And then we were down in Hilton Head for my brother's birthday, and wedding, excuse me, in 2016. And just being there, it's just like, oh, there's golf here. I'll go out and play. And for whatever reason, and I hadn't gotten new clubs. Why would I get new clubs? Because I hadn't played in a decade. So I'm playing the stuff I bought like in 2003 probably. They're like old Cleveland Irons and, you know, Cobra, King Cobra, King Cobra, driver. But I was, I was, I was decent and I was surprised. And it seemed like I was hitting the ball further. And I had just started getting into the workout plan that I talked about on, uh, on a podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, the bigger, leaner, stronger thing, but I had only started it in June. And so it's only about 45 days in. So I don't know if that factored in because, because your, your, your logic would tell you, well, it's the new equipment and the new ball. And that's why you were hitting it further. And I don't know. And again, it's not like I was, you know, doing anything real special but I think I shot in the eighties and I'm like, God, that's kind of rare for me if I recall correctly and having, you know, Anna Marie wasn't pregnant at the time. So we're in this, you know, what do they call it? Uh, dual, dual income, no kids thing. Um, and it just kind of became an escape, uh, from the day to day of operating back then the radio station. And I just got, and I have no idea. I just got totally reignited into it. I am so obsessive. Um, And I guess it's I guess it cuts both ways. I don't want to say it's good or bad. It certainly cuts both ways. I became obsessed with poker. I think when it's all said and done, I was profitable in poker. But because I lost so much money from 2004 to 2008, all of the money that I made 2008 through 2011, which was certainly material, um, you know, it it was it was you know, if you're adding it all up, it it wasn't that much because of the losses from 2004 to 2008. But for whatever reason. Start playing poker. And I'm like, oh, I, I'm not going to play golf now, which is just dumb. So, you know, I then got new clubs um, because everybody's telling me about the technology. And I think I'm at a point now where I think I'm an 8-7 in my latest uh, handicap um, where I think I probably get, need to get new clubs again. And I think that I I would be surprised. I play at Westboro quite a bit. It's par 68. I know for the country club uh, community, sometimes people go Westboro. It's a super short course. It's easy. And that's fine. I don't, you know, I mean, when you grow up in South St. Louis, to even be talking about a country club is, you know, that's not something it's ever even on the radar. For real, I grew up on Tower T and Ruth Park, and I'm not bullshitting about that. What was the other? Oh, Triple H's. Those, that's where I played. So if somebody's playing at Riverside like the Plowhawk, God bless them. I don't. I mean, who fucking cares? But I do know that in St. Louis, in in the, in the sliver of the community that that uh, are members of the country club, their country clubs, that it's like, oh well, Westboro. I'm just like, all right, whatever. Who cares? I, you know, I mean, I don't. I don't have uh, the cash to be throwing. Nor do I'm really a believer that Bell Reeve or Old Warson are looking for me to be on on the membership. Uh, you know, to be dropping six figures as initiation or whatever the hell's going on at those types of places. So I want something that's close to where we live. It's where we live. It's great for my uh, 10-month-old and Anna Marie to be able to to shoot up there. It's a great place, young place, cool place. Love going there and hanging out. It's 5,700, 5,800 yards. The thing about it is is that uh, the par three, there's six par three since it's a 68, but minus number four, they're all Pretty damn difficult. I mean, a couple of them are 200 plus yards, and uh, and then you know, I mean, then the other ones that I'm thinking of are usually like in the 175 range, give or take. So these aren't layup par threes, but I know what the narrative is. So whatever, I'm just giving you the background. Point being, I think I'm not far away from from breaking 70 at Westboro. I th- it could happen. I think it could happen relatively soon. I've shot a 74 there, and, and it's, there's just usually like one or two holes. Uh, that knock off, you know, around where I'm under par. So I feel like that's where it's going to happen. So what happened? My honest answer is I have, I truly have no idea. Um, I would say that I've gotten better as a putter and maybe I have, I didn't track stats back in the day. Now you can track them. I use golf logics. I would really advocate that that's an app and I love that thing. And when, if you've listened to the Joe Buck interview and he was talking about how obsessive he is with the game of golf. And I figured at that point, then that means he's tracking stuff. Then I go, Oh, yeah, golf logics to use golf logics, the app. And he goes, what's golf logics? And I explained it. I'm tracking putts and misses and, you know, miss left, long, right, short, whatever it is. And he goes, oh God, no. He goes, you're really, I go, oh, yeah, then I guess I'm really fucked up. But that's what I use. Cause it helps me. And one of the things that I, if I could advocate anything, and now maybe like a guy like Skip Berkmeyer, or Jay Randolph Jr. Or, you know, someone who's a hell of a player who's listening to this would go, oh, I totally disagree. But from my standpoint, something that I think that that I'm focused on right now that I would say for a lot of high handicappers or people getting back in the game that I would really focus on. It's not what most people do. They go to a driving range and maybe they'll start out with a seven iron and screw around for a little bit. And eventually they're going to sit there and just start hammering balls with three woods and drivers. And that's great. And you do need to be able to hit the ball straight. And obviously these days there's, there's the distance factor, but. When I, like when I played Jay Randolph Jr. in the Fan Page Club Championship, his ability to get up and down was just, I mean, it was just, honestly, even though it was, I was on the receiving end of the high hard one, uh, it was just, that's, that's where the strokes are made up and on the greens, the putting. And what I would advocate, it's something I read because I had a round when I was playing with the great Chris Raby from KMWX like two weeks ago, and I four putt. I mean, you'll have three putts, but a four putt. I was on in regulation. I went up with a six, and it wasn't like it was some crazy Augusta Green. It was an uphill putt. I was a four putt. I mean, what in the hell? So I started working on putting and focusing and then trying to get a good, you know, some points to make sure that I'm, you know, I have the proper swing thoughts and setup and alignment and so on and so forth. And here is what I here is one thing, if I can give one tip from a guy who's by no means that great but has improved, It is aim 17 inches past the hole and get the ball there on your putts. Because if you're aiming 17 inches past the hole, uh, this is a Dave Pell's thing, uh, your line is going to stay true. If you don't get it there, first off, it can't go in. But then secondly, if you just kind of baby it because you pussy it, uh, it, it's going to fall off on the line. And so I have found... You know, when I shoot my best rounds, I'm around 30 putts. I think my best to- total, again tracking this stuff in Golf Logics, is 29. Uh, there was a nine I played while we were down at PGA National during spring training, and I think I had 13 putts on a nine. Um, and it was it was exactly that. It's it's the swing and staying online, of course, but also hitting the high side of the ball keeps it online and then aiming 17 inches past the hole. And getting the ball there. And you're going to miss long, but you're also going to hit some too. And it's got to be 17 inches, as dumb as it sounds. I mean, a, a foot and a half, uh, because otherwise you're going to blow it past. But that's the goal. And uh, to me, that is where you can really improve. Now, I guess if you're just getting back into it and you're hitting balls OB and, you know, it's slicing or duck hooking, whatever, then you got some bigger problems. But, you know, if you're at a point where you're, wanting to jump, I think that's where it's gonna be. If I can break 70, I, I you know, I don't think I'm gonna break 70 to par 72. Um, although, you know, when I played Harvardtown a couple of weeks ago, what was I? I was either one over on number nine's T or three over on nine's T. Um, and which wouldn't have been breaking 72. But I mean Harvardtown's a difficult golf course and that's where I was. And it wasn't with Birdies, it was just with par, 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 par. Uh so you know, and I, and listen, there are guys first off who are members of other clubs who are listening to this and going, Oh my God, you're talking up your place. And I'm not talking. I just love the place and the people, just good people. And it's super close to my house. Those are really the main things. Um, and then there are plenty of people going, Oh, you, you remember a country club, you know, and unless I mean, you know, it's, it's, you know, I love my place, but I, it, it's certainly not what I think people would think of when they think of country clubs. And again, I grew up on Tam Avenue. My family still lives there. Uh, I know my place And uh, I have no interest in looking either up at people or down at people uh, outside of my height issues uh, based on whether they're in a country club or not and what country club they're in or not. I just wanted a place for me and my family that's close to my house. That's what it gets down to. But if you want to play the game, um, that is, you know, the ability to be able to go and, and work on your game certainly is helpful. And I'm telling you, spending time on the putting greens, even though it's monotonous, that's where you're going to make up strokes. So hopefully... That answer is helpful. I haven't even gone to the fan page yet, and I still want to get this one in because this is in the emails. Hey, Tim, I've noticed a recent wave of new hair loss products being promoted on podcasts, Instagram, Barstool, et cetera. They're called For Hymns and Keeps are the ones I've heard most. I did a little research into these, and they're basically finasteride if I'm pronouncing that properly, rebranded, marketed towards late twenties, early thirties is a 28 year old guy who has a receding hairline for a few years and a bald spot growing quicker than Deke Dodum's unit after a Bryce Chandler Hill photo shoot. Well done. I've wondered about getting into the game. Would you recommend using products like these with your past experience? I know you've said, don't ever quit using them. If you start, would you recommend starting? Yes, I would. Instacall. This, this won't be a 30 minute answer. It's an call. Um, I so yeah, once again, this is this 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 questions from the audience, the regrets edition. It really is. Truly a huge regret. I don't, it, it's I, I think maybe psychologically I've downplayed it internally by how big of a fuck up it was, but it was a big fuck up to stop taking propecia. But I don't I don't think I realized how helpful it was. Uh, you know, I started taking Propecia in January of 1998. I mean, it had just hit the market. I was 21. I mean, I turned 21 three months earlier, but I knew I was going into television and in 1998, and it's still the case now, there just weren't a lot of bald dudes on television. Um, and at that point I still had hair, so I wasn't shaving my head. And so looking ahead, I'm like, I've got to do whatever I can to, to keep my hair. And so I got on Propecia and then I was keeping my hair. I mean, I, it was in it, it, in that sense, it worked. It didn't necessarily regrow it as far as I know. And I had like thinning on the crown. I never really had a receding hairline. Like if I grew my hair out, I have hair at the, at the front. Um, but I would imagine it'd be a boy. It'd just be, it'd be grotesque. It's, it's awful. You know, you might think it's awful now. Trust me to be worse. So I, 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 I turned down a television job. Uh, in Denver in 2006, and I think at the time, and I have no idea what Propecia is now because I'm not taking it any longer, which was the mistake. But when I went out there and I interviewed for the job, I remember going in, and I think I was meeting with the GM, and he goes, oh, thought you shaved your head. And I guess on my resume reel, there were some clips of me at KMOV, and I think I did some, I don't think. I remember hosting the Missouri Valley Conference Basketball Tournament at Fox Sports a couple of years uh, with a shaved head. And, uh, so some had hair, some didn't. And, and there I was with my, you know, full head of hair and, uh, and they didn't care. They were obviously going to hire me either way. And, uh, and I want, I I, I was never really, really close to taking this one. I was really close to taking the one in New York so much so that I actually did accept it and then changed my mind. But in 2006, once I'm like, you know what I don't want to do, I just don't want to do TV. I like doing radio. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pass. And then at that point, I think it was $90 a month, something like that for the Propecia. And I just was like, yeah, I'm just done. I'm just done spending it. And so I stopped taking it. And then a few months go by, I remember it was August because I was in Las Vegas. And I'm like, ah, you know what? I'm going to grow my hair back just like, as if I can like, oh, you know what? I'm going to be six, three. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's not happening. And I noticed, I'm like, oh, my God, this shit is not coming back like it used to. I mean, it's like wispy. It's just awful. I mean, what a moment that is. I mean, usually the hair loss process, as you are experiencing, Mike, is a gradual thing. It is not fun. I experienced it. I started experiencing it in 1995. I was born in 76. How about that shit? And I know I'm going into, at least I think I'm going into television. And, uh... I mean that's rough, and so it's a gradual thing. And I had longer hair, and it was just coming out. Oh, so I'm, I mean, I'm, I remember taking like my girlfriend to whatever the Walgreens of uh, Columbia. It might have been Walgreens, who knows? Uh, in Columbia to get Rogaine. What an aphrodisiac that had to be. We're gonna go get condoms. We're gonna go get lube. No, we're gonna go get Rogaine. Perfect. Have fun. Uh, so you have you have that whole deal going on, which is wonderful. But then Propecia came out. I'm like, oh, this is better because it's a pill, and it was, and it was fine. But for whatever fucking reason I stopped taking it. Well, I know why I stopped taking it. I stopped taking it because I just wanted to save the money. But my God, for whatever it was, $90 a month, so what, $1,080 a year, I lost my hair, which I could still have. Now, what would it have mattered? I'm already, from a from a female standpoint, I'm already at a spot where people think Anna Marie is, is like doing some kind of uh, charity work by being with me. So that can, that situation can't get better. I still don't really know what's going on with with her being with me. I'm sure those of you aware of the situation are, are wondering yourselves. I have no idea, but uh, so that so so that couldn't that that situation couldn't get better. But from from a television standpoint, uh, it, things could have uh, been different. I would probably go to New York, as weird as it sounds, and take the job at SNY, if. Um, if I was able to grow hair because then I'm like, yeah, then I probably could do more than that, even though that would have been, you know, good and of itself, but there would have been potential to do more, but I just knew, I just know the business. It's like, yeah. And you're just not gonna, I mean, think of, think about the, the, the sports, think about Joe Buck being as transparent as he was with the hair transplants thing. Um, It's just part of the game. I'm not angry about it. It's like, oh man, how come I can't play in the NBA? Well, there's certain traits and that's fine. That's part of the game. That's part of the business. So for anybody thinking about getting into, I guess, these new products, yes, I advocate doing it immediately, assuming that this is Propecia repackaged because I haven't seen Propecia marketed anywhere in a while. I didn't know what was going on with that Uh, and I still don't know what's going on with that, but Um, you know, check it out, have your doctor vouch for it. I mean, what the hell do I know? I don't even have a journalism degree. I mean, hours short, but assuming your doctor signs off on it, then yes, I would do it because it's a real thing. And for a lot of guys, and, and you know, and now I guess there's technology with the hair transplants that I was looking at getting in 2007. It's, it's easier now, but at this point, I mean, what, you know, what the hell am I doing? What what am I doing? You know, so the shaved head is what I got and I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, But yeah, I mean, I'm big time regret stopping using it. So that's my bigger thing. I know you already said, yeah, I know you say don't stop using it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Don't stop using it. But if it's something that bothers you and some people are uncomfortable shaving their heads, um, and I got a weird ass shaped head. I don't know what the hell that's about. Just do. Can't do anything about it. What are you going to do? Uh, like, like I wonder with like LeBron James, for example, I wonder what's going on there to me. It seems like obvious shave your head, but you don't want to do it. So whatever, um, then yeah, then, then take care of it, whether it be hair transplants or these products. That's that to me, I advocate that passionately because I lived it. It was a huge part of my life, a sleep issue and taking pills for that shit. And the hair issue and taking pills for that shit. Like I'm like in my sixties already, that's what I was doing in my twenties. So that's how fucking weird I was. Um, but, uh, big time I advocated, assuming that your doctors are on board with it. So Um, there is that. All right. Now let's go to the fan page with the questions from the audience, uh, from the, uh, fan page. Uh, and that is, uh, all kinds of them here. And one of these is in reference to DraftKings. We are right in the heart of, uh, the major, the open. By the time you listen to this, it may have teed off, uh, or you're just listening to this and it's months away and you already know who won. Uh, I can tell you this. The one thing that we can probably be confident on is I will not be winning, but yet we put in these teams every uh, major on DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports. Now, I'm transparent with the number, and ideally it doesn't come off the wrong way, but I also recognize any time you talk about money, no matter what, if it's somebody above it, they go, oh, you think you're so cool because you're talking about this dollar figure, or somebody who's below it, they go you that you're talking about this money. So let me make it clear there are like seven other people involved in this uh, conglomerate uh, that we put together $5,000 and then put a bunch of rosters in on DraftKings for the golf majors. And I mean, we lose every damn time. So for the open, I have altered the strategy. And when I'm done with this, I got to go enter in like another hundred lineups. The question from Brad on the fan page is, with your overall success, which, of course, is a lack thereof, of doing DraftKings for PGA events, why do you continue to do them? Is it fun or is it the thrill of the chase? And the answer is it's fun. Now, I'm sitting on my couch last night putting together these rosters or actually doing this, doing some of the research for them, and my wife's looking at my color-coded spreadsheets and is just like, what? I, and she said, I said, listen, woman, because I'm classy, because I'm classy, I said, When I win the million on Sunday, when the Tam Avenue Capital Partners, that's our uh, syndicate, uh, wins the million on Sunday, you're not going to be saying this stuff. So do you want the winnings or or do you want the money I'm spending on it? Because that's what she says. I want to be able to just piss money away like you are with this thing. It's a fair point. She's making a fair point. And I said, choose now. Do you want the guarantee of the money I'm pissing away or do you want the winnings? she said, I want the guaranteed money. And I, you know what? Honestly, based on the track record of for real losing about 70%, like we'll put in 5000 and on Sunday, if we're lucky, I'll be looking at like, you know, $1,200 in winnings, which of course is a, a loss of $3,800. Uh, and I, you know, I own whatever, uh, I don't even know what percent I own of it, like 10% of it. Uh, yeah, it's no fun in that sense. And it's no fun putting together like the research of the lineups. But when the thing tees off, it's so much fun, especially if you have a lineup that's in the mix. Now, earlier this year, I had a lineup at the uh, Harbortown, uh, the Heritage, RBC Heritage at Harbortown, and uh, and I had a lineup that was, I think, in fourth or fifth place, and at first place, was $100,000, and the buy-in was like five bucks, and that became, re- and this was me, obviously, I'm not chopping up $5 with people, so... I mean, I just put together, I mean, I know I was on Luke list big time, been on Luke list ever since the Honda Classic. Um, and I don't remember the other players I had in there. All I know is that the, everybody in the top 10 I had, uh, or excuse me, all six of my players were in the top 10. And it became a real thing that, holy shit, we could wind up winning $100,000 or I could wind up winning, I could wind up winning $100,000. I am not even chopping this up. And then they all faded. I mean, what are the chances? They teed off early because there was going to be weather and you know, by like the third hole, I'm like, oh, my God, this isn't even happening. And when that's going on, that is fun. It's also super nerve-wracking, but it's fun. So what what I go into to answer your question, Brad, is I want to sweat. I want to sweat. Um, by Friday afternoon, you know how many of your rosters, and I guess we'll probably have about 175 rosters. We'll max out on the Millionaire Maker, and we'll do, you know, a few others. Uh, I, 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 you want a healthy number of teams with all six players getting through. That's that's really the, the defining element. And then ideally, of course, some of those guys, and you know, if there's a huge leader uh, that you have that person, because you can't win big without having the winner. So I've altered my strategy for the open, uh, whereas I tried to have exposure to damn near, not everybody, but everybody who would be considered a top 50% player in the field, at least some form. Now I'm building around a core. And so it's kind of an all or nothing play in that sense, there's certainly some variety, but in other words, building around 60 players, especially at this event where wind and weather could change so drastically based on tee times. I mean, this one is, I think, harder to handicap than, uh, than others. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. Do I expect to win? Absolutely not. I mean, it's, not, it's like, be like if, we, if, we may, if, if at the end of the, the tournament on Sunday I see $5,005 in total winnings, meaning I won 50 cents, I would be thrilled. I would be thrilled. So that's that's the expectation level. So it's done for fun. Now, if I had all of my own money in that and it was five grand, I'd be. Well, I wouldn't. First off, I would never do it. It's just like the World Series of Poker main event. People have asked, "Did you buy in?" hell no, hell no. Uh, but I have a part of myself. So that's the same thing on the DraftKings thing. James Carlton of State Farm Insurance is just a fine, fine guy, and as a matter of fact. We've been talking about how great he is as far as knowing his business, the customer service of his business at 314 961 4800 or applying online at carltoninsurance.net. But James was telling me, we had lunch earlier this week, as a matter of fact, and man, that guy knows how to pick out sushi for the record. Uh, He was telling me that uh, several of the listeners of the Tim McKernan show have contacted him about life insurance. So it got him to to thinking uh, about making sure that we talk about life insurance in the course of uh, talking about James Carlton. So if you're buying a house, getting married, or have a growing family, make sure your loved ones will be okay if you don't make it home. Call James at 314-961-4800 or go online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to protect your family through term life insurance. Although the worst is unlikely, none of us would leave the driveway without strapping our little tykes into a car seat. Life insurance is no different. Although it's not likely that you don't make it home tonight, it's not a risk worth taking when it comes to providing for your loved ones. State Farm is the number one provider of term life insurance in the U.S. So call James Carlton at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net. If someone wrote you a check for two times your salary to never work again, most of us would say not a chance in hell that I'm cashing that. However, many of us solely rely on group coverage to protect our families. It's great if your employer provides that benefit, but most of us with families know there's no way they would be okay with just two times our salary if we passed away. Call James today at 314-961-4800 or apply online at carltoninsurance.net to see just how inexpensive it is to make sure your loved ones are protected. Uh, This is a sore subject, so I'll tackle it. But to see individuals with such great talent and work ethic leave the radio industry—I don't know why their quotes are in the radio industry—but that's what there are. So I want to be uh, honest to what I'm reading. For certain jobs that aren't a walk in the park shows how hard it can be to make a career in the radio business, unless, of course, you're a top dog. My question to you, Tim, would be: As your son grows older, will he be able to follow in your footsteps, like the legacy you've carried forth through your father? Thanks. I'll post this, hang up, and listen. That's from Blake. Um, the answer to that question is first off my father, for as much as we joke about it on the show, uh, was not on air in radio or television. Uh, he did sales and he was really good at it because so many people just loved the guy. I mean, he's, he's instant offense when it comes to entertainment. Um, and so people, you know, people bought him. I don't know if they bought his product, they bought him and that's why he is and was such a great salesperson. So I did not follow in this, footsteps. my brother did more. So my brother's in sales. At KMOV. Um, so, just to clear that up, not that it's a huge deal, but just for the record. And then, regarding my son Jameson getting involved in radio or broadcasting, I absolutely do not want him to. It's not even like a, like, I'd be like, oh, I'd be like disappointed. Um, I don't want him to go to the University of Missouri. It's got nothing against Missouri. I just want him to go and see the world and uh and whether it be wherever wherever he wants to go now if he wants to go to missouri then god bless him and if he wants to get into broadcasting then god bless him and then i will you know give my experience and what would hopefully be considered wisdom and uh and and give him feedback but uh, i would want him to uh do whatever he wants to do and and live wherever he wants to live and uh and so i just the, the business of the business I don't believe it has to be as difficult as it often seems like it is to the public. Um, that's, that's essentially what I would say. And it might actually get better as it gets smaller in the sense of what we started out talking about podcasts, because what makes the business difficult oftentimes are the expenses associated with not only filling a lineup, But the hard costs of operating a radio station, and there are, as you can imagine, all kinds of hard costs with associating or with operating a radio station. So if you're just, if like the world can operate on podcasts, and that's where I do believe it is going, uh, and I do believe it's going there quickly, then at that point, the costs associated with uh, office space, towers, insurance on those, um, and then the payroll uh, of, uh, you know, filling however many hours you're filling with, you know, hosts employed by a station, that's all eliminated. And, you know, in the case of the morning after, um, you know, people say, why don't you guys just go to podcasts? Cause I don't, cause the answer to that is I don't think that the advertising dollars are there yet to make that move. Um, but you know, it's something that I certainly could see down the road. Um, and so it's a different ball game than for example 2013 when you had the man woman thing and it's like oh we got to go find another radio station even though maybe we didn't have to but I felt like we had to. So there's that that element. I just it's just it's been I and I and I, I and mean, I've been very 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 lucky. Crazy lucky, but the stuff that we have dealt with off the air that we keep private, uh the stuff that we deal with uh you know, in doing this show for 14 years, it's just not something that I would want, you know, family members to deal with. And, and really indirectly, my wife has certainly dealt with it because it can own your life when it's going on. And it's not like, you know, I don't even know who I was talking to and God, it's amazing. The stuff that you, you know, will deal with. And I said, yeah, I guess at this point though, I've dealt with it so often for so long. It's just a different thing. It's like a, It's like a Friday the 13th. You just, you know, Jason's never dead. And you know he's coming back. And you're just kind of used to it. So it sucks in a sense. It's like, you know, somebody was uh, was talking about some guy posting shit on the fan page. uh, And goes, God, it sucks that you have to deal with it. And I go, yeah, I I guess guess if, if I take myself out of it, it does. It's just I've dealt with it for like two decades now. So I'm used to it. And it doesn't mean I enjoy it. It's just for somebody who hasn't dealt with it, it might seem really, really extreme. And maybe it is really, really extreme and I'm just jaded to it, but I'm used to it. And so you kind of just like, okay, what's it going to be, you know, and how will we handle it this time? And so that's, that's the mindset. Uh, And it's all in the name of, of, you know, doing whatever you can to keep doing what you love. And we do love 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. So, and I do love doing the podcast. So, Fortunately, really, the technology has changed, allowing us to uh, do something differently than I think uh, was the case in 2013 with podcasts. But I just, I, it's, you know, it's a business that has a really low ceiling uh, from an income standpoint. And unless you're one of a handful of people, you're Well, I mean, shit, if you listen to the Joe Buck podcast... He's like, yeah. At some point, they're gonna you know want me out, and I go, you really think that? And he goes, absolutely. Somebody else will come along, and I go, I think guys like you and Al Michaels and Bob Costas, you can kind of call your shots. And he goes, well, I appreciate you saying it, but I don't see it that way. I mean, that so that's there, there's a guy who is a Hall of Fame broadcaster who has been one of the most successful sportscasters in the history of the game, viewing himself as replaceable. So imagine. <laughs> take your pick, uh, you know, so that's, that's the issue with it. So listen, I, I want to make it clear. Anytime I talk about this stuff, I have been so lucky if it is over today, it doesn't change the fact that from 2000 through 2018, I got to work in my hometown and television and radio covering the teams I grew up cheering for and working with, you know, I mean, across the board, uh, incredibly talented, kind, uh, good people and looking forward to going to work because so we, we meet with my, my financial advisor yesterday as a matter of fact uh and he's like okay let's build in this retirement plan what do you think on this and uh and he goes when do you want to retire I go, honestly I don't I mean I, I love what I do now assuming that that's not you know this isn't going to be going on in 20 some odd years you know, that changes things, but right now I do this thing as long as I can because I love it. So I'm super lucky, and I recognize that because I'm sure there are plenty of people listening going, fuck you if you're complaining about it. But what I'm complaining about are things that you don't know about because we keep them private. And, uh, and, and like I said, I think a lot of times, and we've joked about this before, if I were to make them public, I think people would think we're making them up because they're so fucking insane, like you wouldn't believe it. But, and it, and I'm, ta- I'm talking about, I mean, this is over years, like you wouldn't believe it. Because we were saying this shit in 2006 and 2007. Like, can you imagine if this were public, people would never believe it. And, you know, it's it's just, but we keep, we, you know, the, at least the group of guys on the morning after, we're just not interested in, you know, historically anyway, running to the newspaper uh, or tweeting and, you know, doing the passive aggressive tweeting shit or Facebook, whatever. Uh, so, you know. It, that that's the thing, but it's in the name of continuing to do something that we love to do. So that's that's the reason. But I just knowing what I've experienced and what you know, Cat and Doug and you know, Iggy and producer Joe and the Sea Monster and the Plowhawk and I'm, I don't know if I'm missing somebody. Just uh, you know, it, it, I just wouldn't want my son to go through that and any other children we may have. So that's my reason, and I hope that explains it uh, effectively. Let's see what else we got. I'll do one more. I'll do one more. One more. What would the 25-year-old Timmy McKernan think of the 40-year-old Timothy McKernan? I don't know if that was an intentional name change. And more importantly, does the 40-year-old version care? Yes. The answer to that is easy. The answer is yes. And I think the 25-year-old, so what what year are we talking about now, 2002, Uh, I remember saying... And this is when I think I was caddying in the 1990s, uh, that all I want to do now that I want to do, I wanted to call Cardinal games, like 2 million other people, but uh, all I want to do is play golf during the day and then call Cardinal games at night. That's what I wanted to do. That was in the 1990s. Now I was 25 in 2002 um, and I was doing TV and radio. I just started doing radio then. And so if somebody would say, okay, you know, what wound up happening over those 15 years, and you were to tell me that in 2002, I think I would be incredibly I think I'd feel like absurdly lucky, like knowing all the things that I know. Uh, that I mean, because the morning grind didn't start until 2004. And to say that you were doing a show, because I would have known, I mean, I would, I knew Doug was working with Doug at the time and knew the cat from being down at Bush Stadium and Fox Sports Midwest and working at KMOV. Uh, knew Iggy already, did not know the Plowhawk. Plowhawk was probably like 14. Uh, but I mean, if you were to say, "Yeah, you guys are on a show, and it's been going for 14 years, and it's popular, and you guys love doing it, and this is your income," and then you also do this podcast, and you started something in you know 2005, and that's still going with Inside STL, I would have been like, "You got to be fucking kidding me!" I mean, I would have taken that an absolute heartbeat. Um, so that's that's how I feel. Now I listen to some shows every once in a while when they pop up and I hear myself in 2004 and 2005 and that person makes me nauseous. Uh, It's like when Joe Buck was describing his feelings, listening to the 2006 world series winning call of Wainwright striking out Brandon Inge. He says, it's like the worst. He can't listen to it. He's embarrassed by it. I listen to that and I have no idea. It sounds like I was on cocaine. That's what it sounds like. Now I know I wasn't. And if I was, I would honestly, I would tell you, um, I've smoked pot And I think that's pretty, I I remember hanging out one time with some strippers and I know we did some pill, but I don't know what it was. I guess you'd have to put money on ecstasy, Um, but I have no idea. So that's, that's my drug use uh, history. And if I had done Coke, I would tell you. So this isn't like a, you know, denial. Uh, I just haven't done it. So with that all said, I listened to that and I go, God, how the fuck did Martin and the cat put up with that? Like, just what an asshole. And then, so maybe in like 10 years, I'll listen to the 2018 morning after and go, how in the fuck did Doug and the cat put up with that? What an asshole. I don't know. But I think what changed was having to operate the business and then it gives you a different perspective. Like you realize, oh, hey, fuckface, you're replaceable. So be cognizant of that, be cognizant of that with the advertisers, be cognizant of that with uh, everything that you do on the air. Um, you know, it is, I don't know. I listen to that and it's, it's horrifying, but to answer the question, uh, I feel very fortunate. I guess the answer would be better if I said something otherwise, because then that sounds like I'm happy and I know happiness doesn't engage, but that's the honest truth. I think I I did read something. Um, I hope this doesn't come off the wrong way. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it's like, something along the lines of expectations being too low or setting goals too low and reaching them. And I think that can sometimes be what kind of fucks up child stars. And in a way I wasn't by any means a child star, but I reached what my goal was really early. And uh, then I think I became uh, complacent. And so in that sense, I regret it now looking back uh, and going, wow, because I was already at KMOV at the age of 23, and already won Emmys at the age of 25 that I definitely could have at that moment still having my hair gone, you know, to other markets, but I just liked being in St. Louis. So I I never even thought about it. I didn't even think about it. I didn't think about it, which is nuts. Now I look back on that now and that's just, that's a difference. I just look back on that now and that's just a difference on where my mindset is, but that's more the idealistic mindset, which is certainly a better mindset. It's, It's a funner way to look at things. Um, which takes us full circle to doing a Cardinal podcast, which at this point, if I knew I could make money on it, I would do it. But um, I just want—I never want to get in a spot where I'm, I'm sitting behind a microphone or writing something and feeling like I have to give like a faux take in order to engage, you know, or create an enemy in order to engage or create an argument in order to engage or then take a position that I might not necessarily really believe in order to engage or be guy, be the guy who can't admit he was wrong. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, cause I've been wrong about so many things. So like I said, maybe I'll create a podcast called, I don't know, because that's really what it is. I don't know. Everybody can have that podcast. It's just, I honestly don't know. So I'm telling you, I don't know. So there it is. There's questions from the audience. There's all kinds of things in there. It really should be themed regrets because that's what this thing wound up being. Uh, so uh, we all could travel down this deep dark path of uh, of regrets with me. Uh, but thank you for the questions. As always, I hope this satisfied those of you who answer or asked the questions with the uh, long winded answers. As always, thank you to the HomeLoanExpert.com Ryan Kelly for his support. The studios, our new sponsor, Mark Hanna, uh, a great great guy. And man, do I recommend getting into business with Mark Hanna. Um, and uh, just a, a fine financial advisor, uh, the big time. Uh, and then uh, James Carlton, State Farm Insurance agent, and of course, Johnny Landoff Chevrolet online at Landoff.com. And at the Highway 270, Washington, Elizabeth exit, that's where you'll find Johnny Landoff Chevrolet. For Iggy, our fine producer, I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of Questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.